When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon versus Legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. And welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast. I spent all day editing the Assassin's Creed lore cast, so I almost said Assassin's Creed lore cast, and I don't even intro that show. So there we go. Um, well, yes, but welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast, where we talk about Star Wars canon versus legend. I am the always graceful with his words, Austin, also known as Teacup, and I am here with my other host. Uh, ben of Tamaria, and I will say, when you do multiple shows... They will bleed into one another real quick. <laughs> Didn't yeah, know. especially when they use the same terms like Templars. Yeah, yeah. There's that. There is that. Uh, but we are back on our planets. Uh, still on our planets. So we are going to go over Coruscant yet again but with the canonical history that we have. And let me tell you, there are some interesting things that actually starts to make sense specifically for the prequels because of this new history that we get. And that is thanks to the High Republic books. Uh, but a little bit about the planet. Um, Located in the Coruscant subsector of the Crisilla sector within the Core Worlds region, Coruscant was a planet covered in a dense ecometropolis, um, so large city. The entire planet's a giant city. The diameter of Coruscant was 12,240 kilometers. It orbited a small star known as the Coruscant Prime in the Coruscant system. The distance between Coruscant and a star varied from 207 to 2. 151 million kilometers and as such the planet did not have a climate that suited the one particular species however this was retroflected uh, by technology with the vast heat generated by multi-level cityscape well that's interesting to know like the entire planet's climate was crap but then oh because we have a dense city the heat goes up which makes sense but still. And then uh, Coruscant had four moons. Syntac uh, 1, Syntac 2, Syntac 3, and Hespertidum. Uh, from space, Coruscant's luminosity was slighted dim by the planet's hazy cloud cover. The planet's weather patterns were affected by the troposphere piercing buildings and covered the planet's surface. Inside the tallest buildings, enormous differences of temperature and air pressure from top to bottom produce unusual and unpredictable microclimates. As such, Coruscant had its own weather control system. While this artificial climate was largely temperate in nature, parts of the planet occasionally experienced infrequent snowfalls. That's interesting. I kind of want to see Coruscant with snow. We have yet to see that. And I want to see that now. Yeah, that'd be nice. And then, we don't really see seasons at all. In no, we really only see rain from time to time. Well, you see rain, and that's like the, really like the only weather we see as far as like anything. Right, but you have to like that, like. Other planets are just like a single climate or single ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Coruscant's weird. Mm-hmm. 
and then thousands of years of development destroyed the planet's ancient mountains, seas, and seas. Monument Plaza housed the top, of course, on its last remaining mountain peak, that being the peak of the Umate, the tallest mountain on the Maneri Range. Many people decided to come to the surviving mountaintop as it could be touched on level 5,216 to have a moment of reflection. And by around 232 BBY, a dark ring surrounded the peak's base as a result of the countless hands that had touched the rock. Generation city planners decided to keep the mountain peak. During the High Republic era, the surface around the peak was covered in greenery in an attempt to recreate the trees and other plants that would have been around the Umate's base many millennia earlier. Even though there was no way of knowing that the surrounding greenery was accurate, it was considered a lovely sight. And then several of the Golan defense stations were located on a fixed path, fixed path orbit around the planet. During the Imperial Age, dozens of Golan 2 defense platforms and Golan 3 defense platforms were in orbit of Coruscant and other important Imperial core worlds for defense. And then small reptiles used to queue in a roulette game played on Coruscant evolved through mutations they experienced on the planet's gutters. Some believe the small lizards had evolved from a union of lizards and rats. They were 24 hours in a Coruscant day and 365 days in Coruscant year. Owing its importance in galactic history, the galaxy used a dating system standardized on Coruscant, and the planet's galactic coordinates were 0, 0, 0, despite not being the exact geographical center of the galaxy. So... This right here essentially states they use Coruscant and they use the same exact time and date as the Earth's movement, just so everybody doesn't get confused. Hmm. That makes sense. So when has George Lucas wanted to confuse people? Right. <laughs> and then now we get to its history. So early history... In ancient times, Coruscant was populated by the two sentient species, the Tang and the Zell, though its connection to the human species was unconfirmed. Coruscant was a widely accepted as the human homeworld. Nevertheless, the human Axel Greylark claimed that, at least to his knowledge, the people of Coruscant did not have grand creation myths. And Axel Greylark is a character is a prominent character in the High Republic books. In the time, humans expanded throughout the known galaxy, exploring and colonizing vast regions of space, The course, with Coruscant becoming the galactic center of political and cultural life. In 100,000 BBY, the lowest levels of Coruscant, such as Level 1, were called home by the people of Coruscant as the planet expanded up. However, the buildings turned the ancient ruins that were buried. It believed those low levels were left uninhabitable. And then many different political systems held control over Coruscant during its existence, with these systems ranging from brutal empires and dictatorships to democracies. Coruscant was one of the Galactic Republic's original core world founders and outmaneuvered its early rivals to become the economic and cultural engine of civilization as it expanded along a new charted hyperspace routes. As these early hyperspace lanes became a well-established trade routes, increasing in numbers of alien species migrated towards Coruscant, this would accelerate the construction of new residential levels and sectors for the city world, booming population as the growth of its rivals slowed. And then Coruscant's effective status at the center of the uh, Republic led to be awarded the coordinates 000 on all standard navigation charts. As the centuries passed, the galactic city expanded and and 5,000 years before the Galactic Civil War, it almost covered the entire surface of the planet. Yeah, if you go and like just watch Finch of the Sith or... Any of the prequel films, you will see Coruscant, and you see literally from space, you see the city, the entire Republic city and all, from space. It's all pretty and lights. (laughs) 
So, and then the ancient Sith Lords built a shrine on Coruscant. When the Jedi Knights ousted them, they built their temple over it. The victory of the Jedi over the Sith led the birth of the modern Galactic Republic, with Coruscant as a capital. Beings from across the galaxy immigrated to Coruscant, seeking opportunities on the bustling planet. Which, right, so, the, right there is High Republic knowledge. So, I just have, like, so many questions. Okay. Just, you know, it gives me the very, like, same energy of, like, oh, here's this Sith shrine. Instead of, like, destroying it or purging the dark side from it, let's just build on top of it. It's the same energy as... And if you're not a SpongeBob fan, I'm sorry. Uh, let's just take Bikini Bottom and push it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happens. Yeah, why? Why they the Jedi ousted them because there was a Sith Temple, and the Jedi's response to that is like, oh, since there's a temple here, we're not going to destroy it. We'll just build on top of it, and it's like what and and this goes on further to explain why the prequels happened as they did because the Jedi temple was on top of a Sith shrine that Sith shrine emanated dark side uh, energy that then clouded the minds of the Jedi. Oh, would you look at that? No wonder they didn't know there was a Sith Lord literally in the same, like, sector and the, like, across the way, across the street in a building. But, like, this is done so long ago. Yeah, this is at least three five hundred plus years before the prequels happen and they knew about it yoda was there for for crying out loud yoda knew there was a sith shrine under the temple because they would do rituals to pure pure the shrine from dark side energies from time to time because it would start leaking out yeah just I'm just saying, look, I am not one of those people who, like, jump on the, oh, the Jedi were the real villains of the prequels, and, like, the Sith are okay. Like, you know, if you listen to our Grey Jedi episode, you know, I am very staunch thing of, like, Jedi are the good guys, Sith are the bad guys. That's what it's supposed to be. But this is stupid. Yeah. They may be the good guys, but they, it doesn't make them not make stupid decisions (laughs) right it's just like of course and it's the same thing of like me getting angry at the new republic especially in this new ahsoka show um like oh god like (laughs) you're just repeating the same mistakes of the past like you know better you know better yep yeah, it it's it's bad. Uh, but however, many new uh newcomers were ultimately regulated to low level positions and subjected to a life of crime and violence. Nonetheless, this was largely accepted, and whoever controlled Coruscant controlled the galaxy. And then, over the millennia, representatives gathered in the Galactic Senate for diplomacy and dispute resolutions, creating and enforcing laws, and maintaining peace. As such, Coruscant became known as the Galactic Capital for thousands of years. Around 382 BBY, a Tadorian became indebted and was arrested for disturbing the peace on level 1392, resulting in their imprisonment on level 2623. Around the same time, the son of Supreme Chancellor... Uh, Kaigan Greylark Axel arrived on level 2623 to visit the Ralex Parlor Casino. However, after starting a fight in the gambling den, he was arrested for, by members of the Coruscant Guard who revealed they had been sent by his mother. Which is actually one of the beginnings of the high, one of the High Republic novels, which then he there's a whole story behind Axel. And it deals with the Jedi, so. 
High Republic Phase 2 is really good. This is all from Phase 2. And then Phase 3, I believe, drops sometime later this year. I think. But now we get to the well-known Galactic Republic. So this is all when the prequels happen that we were just going over of all the stupid decisions that will be happening. So it was towards the end of the Republic era that Sith Lord Darth Sidious executed his plans for galactic domination, beginning with the blockade of Naboo, his homeworld, and the representative Senator Sheev Palpatine. The Sith Order, having survived the near destruction through Darth Bane's Rule of Two, conspired for generations to reclaim their place of dominance in the galaxy. And then, by Sidious's time, the Sith secretly resided on Coruscant in spite of the Jedi Order's presence in the capital. The Jedi at the time were under the belief that their ancient rivals had been extinct for over a millennia. Here's, here's something for the Jedi to learn. Never assume... Ever. That's it. That's just it. Never assume. The end. Yeah. Just never assume. Never. And then you will not have problems. <laughs> never assume that the Sith are gone. Never assume that the Senate has good intentions. Never assume that the Chosen One is okay. Never assume that the people will just be fine if you fake their beloved master's death. And no repercussions of them or distrust will happen because of that. Yeah. Yeah, all all that. Just just don't. Just don't assume. Enough said. <laughs> So, under the influence of the Sith, the Trade Federation blockaded and occupied the planet of Naboo in 32 BBY, forcing its elected ruler, Queen Padme Amidala, to flee to Coruscant, seeking Senator Palpatine's counsel among the Queen's, uh, retru- re- I don't even know how to say that, Retinue? Re- retinue? Pe- people with Padme, um was Anakin Skywalker's former slave from Tatooine. Skywalker was brought to the temple, Jedi Temple by Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn, who believed him to be the Chosen One, destined to be bringing balance to the Force. And then in the Senate, the Supreme Chancellor Finis Valorum was unable to respond to the invasion of Boo. Amidala, having learned from Palpatine about the corruption in the Republic's government, called for a stronger leadership by denouncing Valorum as the head of state, con- Consequently, Valorum was voted out of office and Palpatine was elected as the new Supreme Chancellor. During the early years of Palpatine's Chancellery, he brought Skywalker to the level, lower levels of Coruscant, revealing corruption in the Republic's limitations to the young Jedi apprentice. And then so, we... I have questions okay. about Palpatine. His whole plan, he, tra- he blockades Naboo. Mm-hmm. To hope to control them. But it seems like he knew they were going to go to Tatooine and find Anakin and bring him up. What if... What if Padme had just signed the treaty? What if she had just been like, okay, like, I don't have any way to resist you. Like, then Anakin would remain on Tatooine. His mom would probably be alive. Or he would have been sold to Lars Homestead at the same time. Right. And then... Yeah. In retrospect, if Padme had signed the treaty... Palpatine lost. <laughs> yeah. He would be able... There are well, so one moments. If, Pal- well, if Padme signed the treaty and never went to Coruscant... Palpatine wouldn't be Supreme Chancellor. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now look, Padme did the right thing for her people because no one wants to be under the thumb of the Trade Federation, which is what Palpatine is banking on. But I mean, it's a gamble to not say that she wouldn't just cave to advisors and say, sign the treaty. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I'm. I, that's like a very big what it like what would happen like palpatine more than likely would try to find another scheme 
somewhere or another to get Anakin or to, you know, try to get over to become Supreme Chancellor in the Senate. But, like, his one plan that he's planned for so long and Padme just caved, that's, that's at least another 10 years, 10, 15 years I, that he would have to plot again. These are the things. But also, like, even just it, that, if Padme... Palpatine would have risen to power and Anakin still would have been there. But then Qui-Gon would be alive if Padme just had stayed in Coruscant like everyone else told her to. Yeah. And then then Qui-Gon might have trained Anakin. Which then we would probably have a more stable chosen one and not somebody who falls to his emotions constantly. I'm just saying, he is betting a lot. He's banking the success of his plan a lot on the being able to predict the actions of Padme. Yep. Yeah, that's a gamble. I I don't know if I'd be... I, I know I wouldn't be able to... Just that being your only, like, gamble to make sure everything works, I would have to have at least, like three or four other gambles on top of that one just in case that one doesn't pan out welcome to the holocron histories podcast where austin pokes holes in all of your favorite movies and your favorite characters and even his favorite characters hey but there are holes that were already there that's true (laughs) they're not like they're new uh, but then we also then we get to the events of the prequels and then also the Clone Wars animation series, um, which I wasn't going to go over because there's just way too much that happens on that flipping planet and specifically with Clone Wars. Holy crap! D- is there a lot that happens on um, that show with that planet? Let's see. There's a prison break. The Senate gets taken hostage. Multiple uh, there's times. There's a bombing. Yes, multiple times. There's a bombing of uh, by trash droids. Cad Bane, uh, multiple times. Boba Fett as a young nice. kid. Ahsoka's uh, uh, quote unquote treason breaking code, or whatnot. Which. <sighs> oh, a giant. Lightsaber resistant monster gets loose on Coruscant and rampages the Galactic City. Oh yeah, there's that too. Yeah, it's lots of good stuff. Go watch it. Go watch Clone Wars. It's great. It's fantastic. Um, but at this point, we are going to take a quick mid break and be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about uh, everything that's not the lore of Star Wars. And it's here where we thank our patrons. Thank you so much for your support and everything that you do. If you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash histories. And you can come on our awesome patron chats, which our next one will be next. On Halloween. On Halloween. On Halloween. Come with whatever. Something spooky. Yeah. You can also leave us ratings and reviews on Apple or Spotify. You can leave us a review with com- with words or a nice Spotify comment along with a five-star review. And we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. Do we have comment or review to read? All right. We don't have that. Other than that, come hang out with us on Discord. Just pick a Discord server. We're probably on it. Uh, That's but probably the, the fair. The Cups podcasting more, Ben uh, and Friends podcasting, Robots Radio Network, probably some more. I'm sure we're both on the Two Girls, One Shit podcast, which 
If you want another podcast where we are talking about Star Wars together, you can go check out their episode on the KOTOR romances and there, and you will catch us there. You can also catch us on our other shows, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast and Dragon Age Lorecast for me, and then the Wizarding World Lorecast, the Final Fantasy Lorecast, and the Witcher Lorecast for Ben. Did I miss one? No. No, I only have the four. For it now. I don't want to add another one. It's already... It's already so much to do for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's everything I got from the middle of the show. Oh, and uh, we do live stream these episodes every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And uh, if you are on Twitch and have a Twitch channel or anything with Twitch, please go fo- uh, follow my channel at Ben of Tamaria. I am two followers away from getting affiliated. Two. I am so close. But please go help me out. Uh, help out this show. And yeah. that That's all I have. So we will get now get back into more Coruscant. Which is more stuff that we know about. All right. We're back, and now we have the Galactic Empire. Everyone's favorite, favorite time in Star Wars. That's a lie. It's no one's favorite time. I mean, there are Empire sympathizers out there. That's true. So, as part of the endgame, Sidious... So what? Uh, (laughs) Uh, so as part of the end game Sidious issued Order 66 to, to the entire Grand Army of the Republic using hidden inhibitor chips the, to force the clone troopers and killing their Jedi generals on Coruscant the great Jedi purge commenced with Vader and the 501st Legion siege of the Jedi Temple with the clone army under the, his control Sidious claimed the title Galactic Emperor after issuing the proclamation of the new order in a special session of Congress declaring a new era of the order and security under the first Galactic Empire and that one specific scene of the 501st and got Vader going to the temple a scene what we will probably is going to get as well, it's already as tiresome as watching uh, Uncle Ben die. It like we've seen that at least once every season in Mando, at least once. We get it again in Obi Wan, and we we didn't get it in Ahsoka, did we? I think so. We got, I mean, we got Siege of Mandalore, so I mean, that's close enough to Order 66. That's but true. But these are my, these, this thing about it, you know, I think it's just a canon event at this point because, you know, there are multiple, there are an infinite number of universes in the Marvel universe, and in every single one of them, Ben, Uncle Ben dies. True. That's also, that's, that's very true. And if you want to know more about that, go watch Spider-Verse 2 because it's fantastic. And yeah, it's a canonical event. (laughs) You can't change it. You're not supposed to change it anyway. Uh, So the Separatist attack on Coruscant had exposed the capital's vulnerability, which combined with Sidious' legion agulation of a Jedi rebellion compelled us to the Senate to support the Emperor and his new order. And then Yoda and Kenobi returned to Coruscant in the aftermath of Order 66. After learning the Skywalkers turned to the dark side of the Force, the two Jedi Master resolved uh, to destroy the Sith. Kenobi left Coruscant to find the Fallen as Apprentice, whereas Yoda remained on the capital to confront the Emperor. However, Yoda failed to defeat Sidious. As, as a consequence, he exiled himself to Dagobah. Meanwhile, Vader was grievously injured and but on Mustafar by Kenobi, resulting in the reconstruction on Coruscant as a cyborg. Yeah, we get that's all in Revenge of the Sith, where we see that epic battle between Yoda and Sidious, where Yoda should have easily whooped Sidious completely, in my opinion, but then we wouldn't have the original trilogy. Okay, so there's a deleted scene, which I think 
is just really um, sheds a light to, I think, why Yoda loses that fight. And I think it's because there's a deleted scene where, like, Palpatine, like, calls in a bunch of, like, camera droids and uses it as, like, a means to, like, show the Jedi as assaulting his life. Interesting. And so I think that's part of the reason why he tosses it. I think, one, I think Sidious had the control and even Yoda knew that, like, he couldn't beat him. And, like, the Lost Chronicles of Clone Wars give us some, like, insight into that Yoda kind of knew what was what had to happen for the Sith to be defeated. That he knew that there was nothing he could do to stop the fall of the Jedi Order at this point. And so he just needed to do what he needed to do to ensure that the Jedi survived the Purge in some way. That's fair. That's, that's my kind of headcanon on what's going on with Yoda. That's that's understandable. So, uh, after Palpatine's um, rise to power, changes came quickly to Coruscant, formerly renamed as Imperial Center in the Galactic City to Imperial City, the Jedi Temple and the surrounding scene, uh, serene complex became the home of the new emperor while the spot while the spires of the temple remained in place the rest of the structure was heavily remodeled and expanded with sloping facades and block shaped additions the entire area was known as the federal district with the imperial palace forming one point of the so-called supreme triangle the other two points were the brezatine compnor archaeology which contained the headquarters of the Imperial Security Bureau and the new Naval Intelligence Agency headquarters, a new near-windowless complex which formerly housed the Republic's Strategic Center. The cityscape of Coruscant changed as well. Buildings were uh, stripped of their elegant Republic dressing in favor of sleek lines and block-like surfaces, and many smaller buildings became engulfed into larger buildings. Some areas changed so quickly they were not recognizable to those who had seen them only for a few years before. And the Empire's policies against non-humans and its tightening control of the population caused unrest, specifically among the alien populations of the underworld. As the Galactic Civil War took shape, the Empire began moving its Mon Calamari population on Coruscant. Uh, the aggressiveness of the Force re relocations called rioting to erupt in the old market sector, which was brutally put down by Imperial Force. And then after the destruction of the planet of Alderaan by the Death Star, rumors of the what occurred began reaching the Alderaan population on Coruscant, most who lived on level 3204. Vigils soon became heated and angry when it was known that the Empire had destroyed the planet. For several days, rioting continued under until the combined efforts of the Coruscant Security Force and Imperial Stormtroopers restored order by firing indiscriminately into the crowds. The crowds frightened quickly dispersed. The following day, the Coruscant police arrested anyone caught in the streets. The day after that, stormtroopers began going door to door, stating that the rebel, rebel spies had recruited local residents and that Alderans had been taken in for questioning. Yeah, um, it's really interesting uh, because Leia kind of like foreshadows all of this because when she's talking to Tarkin, um, she says, "The more the tighter you." The tighter you grip, you tighten your grip. The more you tighten your grip, the more star systems that will slip through your fingers. And I think we see this in Coruscant. Like, the destruction of Alderaan is a turning point for the Rebellion because it's really a bad move. Because Alderaan was a core world. It was peaceful. And they thought they would have enough fear that, like, oh, this would happen to you. But really, a lot of people who probably couldn't care less about the rebellion now are going to flock and support the rebellion. Yep. And poor Bale. That's all I have to say. Poor Bale. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, in 4ABY, the Rebel Alliance managed to defeat the Empire in the pre-ultimate Battle of Endor with both the Emperor and the and his apprentice dad, due to being killed during the destruction of the Death Star 2 uh, battle station, the citizens of Coruscant rejoiced, pulling down statues of Palpatine, overwhelming the stormtroopers on the streets, and setting off chimes and fireworks. Police forces on speeders quickly entered the plaza and opened fire on crowds without warning, killing many who were present present. Coruscanti erupted in full-scale rioting. Blaster fire and fighting soon erupted across the capital between Coruscanti and the Imperial Security Forces. In the ensuing months, the New Republic was formed and re-established the Galactic Senate on Centrilla. Uh, and then meanwhile... Cor- Cindr- what? Cindrilla. Cindrilla. And then, meanwhile, Coruscant dissolved into a true state of civil war with some sectors in entrenching themselves with rebel resistance fighters while other sectors actively fought against their neighbors and supported the Imperial forces. So, you know, in the galaxy, we had the quote-unquote galactic civil war between, you know, the rebels and the Empire, where, and then you get, after all that is done, there's a legitimate civil war on Coruscant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, as the Empire fractured all over the galaxy, Grand Visor Moss Amdida uh, took control of the Imperial forces on Coruscant and the Coruscanti government. However, the Imperial Navy withdrew support from the throne world as Fleet Admiral Gallus Rex uh, refused to allow Grand Admiral Ra Sloan and the figurehead of the Navy to send reinforcements to the planet Rax. Leader of the Shadow Council was secretly uh, guided the Empire to its final days, so the planet is resenting, re- representing the quote-unquote decay that caused the Empire's downfall. And if I recall, uh, Galax Rax, trying to remember where he is from, was he in was he Rax in Battlefront Two? Or no? I think so. I mean there's a... Yeah. Well, I actually think he is the um I don't think he's in Battlefront Two now. Okay. So okay. That's Admiral Versio. I know that's Versio, yeah. but then there's the he's, Imperial He's mentioned He's mentioned in Battlefront 2, but his main appearances are in the Aftermath series. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, and then now we have the New Republic era. So, with the Galactic Civil War concluded, the New Republic sought to reshape galactic politics in an effort to both prevent the abuses of the Old Republic and bring a disaffected worlds that had been succeeded from the Republic prior to the Clone Wars. To accomplish this, the new Senate decided that all worlds would have equal to say in the government. As such, all worlds <clears throat> had an equal chance of hosting the new Republic's capital on a rotating ba- basis, rather than simply simply remaining on Coruscant alone. Still, Coruscant remained a pop- populous world, home to trillion permanent residents, and still referred to to as the center of the galaxy during the New Republic era. The New Republic Defense Force maintained presence on Coruscant, providing security and structure while overseeing the decommission of warships from both the Imperial Navy and the Alliance fleet. Inoperable Imperial-class Star Destroyers were disposed in salvage yards, or salvage yards such as the shipyard on Coruscant. And then after the Galactic Empire's defeat, Captured Imperials were granted the chance to join the New Republic. As a result, programs like the Reintegration Institute and the New Republic Am- Amnesty Program were created to facilitate a former Imperial assimilation into a new regime. The Amnesty Program consisted of former Imperial officers and scientists who, after spending time with the Reintegration Re-inter- Institute, received accommodations in the Amnesty housing on Coruscant. Which we do see this in Mandalorian. Season 3? Mm-hmm. 
And then AIMSET scientist L-52 was designed to work in a new Republic uh, skyscraper where Imperial technology was achieved, uh, archived, and destroyed. MC officer G-68 worked in the same building as Colonel uh, Tuttle Tuttle from Requisitions. And then L-52 was arrested by the New Republic soldiers around 9 ABY, having left the program's designated perimeter to acquire equipment in the hopes of continuing his cloning research despite its prohibit the prohib ban by the Coruscant Accords. Gosh, words are hard. Um, This is actually all the two, I think it's like two or three episodes that we see in Mando season Mm -hmm. three. Yep. Um, words to the wise. Don't clone things, people. Don't clone. Well, it was mainly well, that he wasn't supposed to continue his Imperial research. That's true. Which he worked for Moff Gideon, which then, you know, at the end of season three, you see why he worked for Moff Gideon. Right. And then Coruscant ultimately joined the New Republic as a member world, becoming part of the political coalition known as the Centrists. The faction of the Coruscant was associated with lobbied for centralized rule akin to the system that defined the old empire. Their views were diametrically opposed to that of the populists, who sought to limit the galactic, galactic government's involvement in the affairs of its consti- constitute worlds. Constituent. Yeah. Constituent. See, words. Yeah. If you go listen to the What's Your Lore cast, um, you learned from this week's episode, I don't do well with words. Words is hard. Words is hard. Yeah. I need to have Tom's like button sound that says words is hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Constituent is like those who you represent. So like mm. your senator, you're their constituent. Gotcha. And they're supposed to listen to you. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> and then by 28 ABY, Coruscant repre- uh, was represented in the New Republic Senate by Senator, Senior Senator Arbo and Junior Senator Oris Madmund at the time of the MNX war- Warrior Crisis. By then, the Corps ruled Hassan Prime and had been designated as the capital of the New Republic. Uh, Senator Orbo was known as was a known centralist, warhawk, and supporter of the New Republic's defense force. After the Senate's failed attempt to elect a first senator, the centrists succeeded uh, from the New Republic and formed the political branch of the First Order. Bum bum bum. Yeah. So that happens in the Bloodline book which is a one of the first books released under Disney's new canon in the canon. And he, like, betrays Leia. And I believe one of these senators is the one who leaks that Leia is the daughter of Lord Vader. Oh, I don't doubt it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then despite being part of the New Republic, the planet actually fell under the control of the criminal syndicates after the Empire's fall. By the time following the Battle of Crate in 34 ABY, even the respectable areas of Coruscant were roamed by gangs. Gangs fought a bloody conflict for the control of the Glittering World's District. Tourism to the once galactic capital all but vanished. And for an individual to be safe, they needed to afford protection like droids and armed guards. According to the city, world was not a symbol of the galactic possibilities. Instead, it represented the disturbing realities of the galaxy's current time period. And then the pirate Hondo Anaka, who is saddened by Coruscant's current state, included the, the planet in his book titled Galactic Explorer's Guide. Within the book, RA-7 Protocol Droid uh, DKRA-43 described Coruscant's fall from grace into lawlessness as one of the greatest strategies of their current era. In 35 ABY, Coruscant was opened it was in open rebellion against the First Order. I'm just surprised Hondo wrote a book. 
Yeah, that is the biggest surprise. Like, out there. of everything, it's like, Hondo can write? <laughs> what? Right. I also think that, like, what are the book series that they're in Skyrim, but it's like Blank Guide to like White Run? Is it like Explorer's Guide to Write to White Run? It might, it might be something of similar. That's what that reminds me of. Oh, yeah. Which, if I recall, I'm pretty sure you can actually buy these books. Oh, I'm sure you can. And then, um, last but not least, we have now behind the scenes of the planet. So, in early drafts of Star Wars Episode Four or Episode Six, uh, Return of the Jedi, the Imperial Capital Planet was set to appear under the name of Had Abandon. Uh, uh, during the development of Star Wars Episode One, ep- uh, The Phantom Menace, George Lucas officially adopted the name Coruscant for the planet, a name that was created by Timothy Zane for his June 1991 Legends novel, Heir to the Empire. The planet first appeared in 1997 special edition of The Return of the Jedi, which showed scenes on a Coruscant of a jubilant population celebrating the demise of the Emperor, and its name was first mentioned in The Phantom Menace. The prequel trilogy and the Star Wars, the Clone Wars film, the television series showed Coruscant as a major center of activity and action. In Rogue One, a Star Wars story, the planet is briefly revisited via the dreams of Jen Erso, featuring her childhood on Coruscant with her father, Galen Erso, and Orson Krennic. Coruscant was known was a known location in early version of Star Wars Episode 9, both in Colin Trevorrow's Duel of the Fate script and the early concept stages that would become the Rise of Skywalker. For the latter, it eventually evolved into Exegol. Coruscant. Yeah, I remember. Hmm? I remember reading. It was all about the story they were gonna do that got cut. And I don't know how I like it, but like there was gonna be like the Ray plot with Palpatine and Ben, and then you would follow the Finn, a Finn and Poe plot that was all around like Finn, like sneaking into Coruscant into the labor camps and like leading a rebellion from within in Coruscant, and then the two stories would meet in one final battle for. Coruscant. Interesting. I don't, I don't know if I like that better or not from Mexico. Yeah. Well, from what I understand, it was very early development and like hadn't really been hashed hat like hashed out. Mm. And I think there were budget concerns on how they would do this. And... Right. Okay, that's fair. And then, uh, Coruscant is implied to be an in-universe equivalent of Earth due to its 24-hour days and 365 days years. Uh, its diameter being close to the Earth's Coruscant being 12,240 12, kilometer versus Earth's 12,742 kilometers mean distance. And its status is the presumed in-universe homeworld of humans. And then while the word Coruscant, meaning glittering or sparkling, is usually pronounced in English as Coruscant with a hard C as the stress the second syllable, in the Star Wars canon, the pronunciation is Cort. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to try to say that. Uh, no with the second C being silent and the stress of the first syllable. Uh, so Coruscant. With more of an S than a C. Coruscant. 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 Okay. Here we go. Croissant. And that is what we have for behind the scenes. And that is what we have for Legends of... Or, sorry, not Legends. Canon of Coruscant. Right. Yeah. So a lot happens. Um, just mm-hmm. out of this episode, don't build a Jedi temple over a Sith shrine. That's it. Don't build a Jedi temple over a Sith shrine. And don't make assumptions. Yeah, and don't make assumptions. That's what you can take home from this episode. Yep. Also, Coruscant gets invaded a lot less in in canon, Legend- <laughs> versus Legends. True, but we still yet to know anything before the High Republic. 
So that might that will probably change as time goes on when they actually do older public uh, lore and shows and books because yeah. they do have plans for the older public. You know, I heard rumors that they're somewhere. Well, I know that someone restored a semi-Jedi temple mission from KOTOR 2. But I wonder if maybe we'll get some Coruscant in the new KOTOR game if it ever comes out. Or ever yeah. happens. Yeah. Or I don't know what's happening. I know. I, when, when Lucasfilms, Lucasfilm Games... When they stop talking about something, that means it's not some, a good sign. no, it's not good. It's not a good sign. And yeah, there's been uh, heavy rumors that it might be in trouble. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I hope it's not because I just want to see Revan and Bastila and all of our beloved characters in a much better light and much better graphical design <laughs> than we had in two thousand three. But who knows? I think we'll be waiting as we wait for the Dragon Age Origins remaster. <sighs> yeah, a game that definitely needs a remaster that they just won't remaster. You know, I can't get it to run on my little laptop PC. Just yeah, you told me. It. It's sad. But, yep, yeah, well, who knows? But uh, that's all we got for this episode. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to the Hogron Histories podcast. And may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon versus Legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at holocronhistories at gmail.com. Have you ever wanted to deep dive into the lore and stories behind all your favorite Marvel movies? Then do we have the show for you. I'm Captain Shanko. And I'm Psych88. Join us as we dissect the media megalith that is the MCU. We'll talk about the origin stories, the fights, and everything in between. The MCU Lorecast releases on all major podcasting platforms on Mondays as part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club and can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.